0: Thanks, Luke. Uh, in amongst family, I, I am Dean. And uh, you can call me Dino for short. <laughs> well, it's Dean O'Keefe, that's my name. Yeah, so. yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's great to be here. As I mentioned earlier, yeah, we had a great night our uh, Friday night. So enjoying uh, our Friday nights with our young people, uh, helping me. Feel young, so I uh, I am getting older. I'm I'm learning that that uh, hanging around young people makes me feel young. Uh, this week was it was a good week. I had a good week this week. Uh, I had to uh, suffer on the Gold Coast. It was awful work, awful work. Uh, so it was our national churches uh, conference. So all of our uh, church leaders. Uh, across the nation, came to the, to the Gold Coast for our uh, every two-year uh, national conference. Uh, so it was a great time just being together, catching up with friends, and, uh, and being encouraged by uh, the words and the stories that were spoken that week. So it was a good time to be there. Uh, I must admit, though, it wasn't the best because it, uh, it was raining a little bit. So I actually, I actually didn't go to the surf. So... I normally would go and, uh, and experience a few of the, uh, the Gold Coast waves, but I didn't even go this time. Just it was, The weather wasn't, wasn't brilliant, uh, but it was a good time. Well, you, you may uh, be aware that uh, Pastor Gary's talked about some of the themes uh, for us as a church, and uh, one of those is uh, in relation to discipleship. So I'm going I'm to bring a message in relation to Christian discipleship. And uh, my key passage that I'm going to uh, bounce out of is John chapter 21. It's going to read John chapter 21, verses 1 to 19. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together to uh, worship you publicly and freely. And I pray now, as we gather around your word, that Holy Spirit, you would speak uh, here through me into uh, the hearts of each and every person here this morning. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was a large uh, catch of fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you want to go. Jesus Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I've heard the question asked, are you a disciple or a Christian? Most people ask this question. Imply an answer that a disciple trumps a Christian. Anyone can become a Christian, they say. But only the devoted are disciples. Well, I want to challenge the way those words are used. I want to propose that a Christian is the end result of a Christ-centered discipleship relationship. That anyone can be a disciple, but one who's truly like Christ is a Christian. Throughout the Gospels, though, one of the key words used for a relationship in relation to the people around Jesus and himself, is the word disciple. Jesus did say, go and make disciples. What's he referring to? What's he talking about? Now, the English word disciple not, normally connects to an idea of uh, someone who follows, uh, a student of, a great master, teacher, religious or leader. Let's have a look in the Bible about some of these relationships in regards to a discipleship-type relationship. In the Old Testament, while the word disciple was not used, we have images of this relationship, a student-teacher-type relationship. In Numbers 11.28, we read of Moses and Joshua in a discipleship relationship. In Samuel 2, uh, 1 Samuel 2.11, there is Samuel... Responding to Eli. In 2 Kings 4.29, we read of uh, Gezhazah with Elisha. And of course, you know of Elisha under Elijah. So you see these relationships in the Old Testament of a master teacher with a student. In the Greek-speaking world, we read of the idea of disciples. And not necessarily from a Christian or a biblical perspective, there was Socrates, and the followers of Socrates were referred to as "disciples." the students of Pythagoras. Now I was a math teacher you know, previously, so Pythagoras, I kind of like Pythagoras, it has uh, something you know sweet to my heart. Um, you know, Pythagoras rule really in formula in mathematics, yeah, so anyway, he's a philosopher, and they referred to his followers as disciples. And so they were disciples, students of this teacher. Then as we get into the New Testament, we get into Judaism, what was going on at this time. Discipleship was not new to Jesus coming to earth. To understand a bit about this relationship that Jesus was establishing or working within, we need to understand a little bit about what was going on in this Judaism context The Judaism education system gives us a little bit of our clues. Now, while what I'm talking about may not have been formalized fully in the first century, we do see some indications of this in Scripture in relation to Jesus and his knowledge of the Bible. And as Paul talked about his learning under Gamaliel in Acts 22 uh, verse 3. But here's a couple of things about this Jewish education system that I just want to highlight, just to give a bit of context in relation to where we're coming into when I'm going to close, referring back to John chapter 21. In the center of Jewish education was the Torah. The Torah means teaching, instruction, or simply the way. Jews believed the Torah was the way, the truth, And the life. Does that sound familiar? The Torah consisted of the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was Torah. Another key aspect was the teacher, known as the rabbi. Uh, In those times, the rabbis were very well respected people. In fact, many people looked up to the rabbis, and it was a, a bit of an ambition of certain people to become rabbis. They were the best. The elites, the top 1%, the top gun were these people. If you weren't that good, you couldn't become a rabbi. Then there's the whole process of, of what happened. Education in those days was only for males uh, but there was a, a, a bit of a system in place and that started with something like a primary school uh, the jewish word bet Shefer, house of the book uh, for young boys and during this time by the time they were about 10 years old they had gone through their schooling process and they had memorized not just their top five memory verses not even their top 50 memory verses By the time they were at 10 years old, they had memorised Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the whole of Torah. Yeah, I think I just need to pack up and sit down now like this. puts me to shame. Those who did well with that would then continue on into what was like secondary education, uh, referred to as... uh, Bet Talmud, or the house of learning. From here, the students went on to learn about the other books of the Old Testament, all the prophets and the teaching, the historical books. Uh, And not only did they learn about that, they were able to memorize. Uh, And so this was another significant uh, uh, learning process. 39 books they would know by the time they were 14 years of age. I still get mixed up in just knowing the order of the books. Those who did well then would have been able to continue on, perhaps, depending on circumstances, into what would be like, I guess, university, tertiary education, known as uh, Bet Midrash, house of study. However, while with the younger one, most of the boys went through, this became more of a... uh, a time where the student had to prove himself, and as I said, I'm using him because it was male in that context, himself to a rabbi that he was good enough to be a student. So this student would go find a rabbi who they wanted to be under, to learn under, to ultimately be like. And they would present themselves to this rabbi. The rabbi was then looking at the students and wondering, is this student worthy enough to be my student, my disciple? This rabbi would ask some questions, ask about the Torah, about what the prophet said, interpretation, what other teachers have said. If the rabbi was satisfied that this person has got what it takes, the rabbi would say, come, follow me. Come and be my disciple. But if the rabbi thought this person was not good enough, the student would then depart and go back home and continue on with the family business. Whether that be carpentry, fishing, herding, shepherding, whatever that may be. This is kind of the environment that Jesus answers into. Jesus comes onto the scene. And with this in mind, I want to draw out a few aspects of Christian discipleship. And the first thing, we've heard this before. The first thing is it's Christian discipleship is Jesus said, come, follow me. Jesus said it. In Matthew chapter 4, we read about Peter. As uh, Peter and his brother were fishing, Jesus came along, and he said to them, "Come, follow me." Peter is also talked about in the, uh, the first uh, chapter of John, and at that point, Peter says to Simon, you will now be called Peter, Rock, changes his name, says to him, "I'm going to create a new and new person, or perhaps you, this is the person you should be." You will be, by being around me, a rock. The rock in which we know later on in Scripture, the rock in which he says he'll build his church. But what Christian discipleship, Jesus said, it's all about Jesus. See, discipleship, there was all different teachers and relationships, but this is about Jesus. Jesus said this. We can be disciples of our teachers at school. We can be disciples of of our our bosses and leaders at work. In fact, I believe the most natural discipleship relationship today is parents with children. We are disciples of our parents. But in this case, Jesus said it. It's all about Jesus. This relationship is between the disciple and Jesus. It's never about me. It's about him. About God, the one who calls us. He calls us to be transformed into his likeness, into his image. It begins with Jesus when he says, come, follow me. It continues as we stay focused on Jesus, study his teaching and be transformed into him. And it finishes with Jesus as we stand with in the midst of him, as he returns to us, and we are like him, as his body here on earth. But when Jesus says, "Come, follow me," unlike the other situations that are briefly described, where the student would present themselves to the teacher to say, "Am I good enough to be your disciple?" Jesus didn't do this with his disciples. He didn't question Peter. John, Matthew, he just saw them. said, hey, come follow me. When he said those words, he was saying to Peter, you're good enough to be my disciple. Mm. Now, let, let's just think about this for a minute. What, why was Peter fishing? I've briefly just explained some of the system, what's going on here. Why was Peter fishing? Well, that was his job. That was perhaps what his family had been doing for years. Now, he probably as a kid learnt Torah. Most Jewish kids did. But somewhere along the line of that education process, he got told he was not good enough. He was not good enough. Whatever, whenever that may have been, you're not, you're not good enough for this education. The opportunity did not arise, whether that it was his parents telling him that or the actual teachers, you're not good enough, Peter. You need to go back and learn the family trade. I'm going to fish. He's going to fish. He was fishing with his brothers. Jesus sees him. When Jesus calls Peter and says, come follow me, Jesus is saying, Peter, You can be my disciple. You can be my disciple. Jesus believed in Peter. When Jesus says, come follow me, Jesus believes in us. He calls all people. He believes in every single one of us. Every single one of us has what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He calls, he teaches, he transforms, and he believes in you. The master of the universe, our creator, believes in you. You can be that person, that disciple, and be transformed in the person he created you to be. You know, if you've never accepted Christ before, maybe you thought you were never good enough. I want you to know this morning that he thinks you're good enough. And he's calling you this morning. He thinks you're good enough. So much so, just as Naomi shared this morning around what Jesus did by dying. He died on the cross for every single one of us. He did that because he believes and loves every single one of us. So what is it about this Christian discipleship? Well, number one, Jesus said. It's all about Jesus. Jesus said, come follow him. So what does it look like? Well, it's a life of imitating Jesus. It's just following Jesus, doing what he does, doing what he does. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26 is where we first hear this word Christian. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And here is a group of people so passionate about imitating Jesus, the Christ. They proclaimed Christ. They healed like Christ. And even as we gathered around communion, they ate Christ, if you get what I mean. So from the outside, they're going, well, you, you, you just you talk Jesus, you, you, you eat Jesus, and you, you're acting like Jesus, you're healing like Jesus. Who are you, Christian? Little Christ? Little Christian? In fact, some say it was actually a bit of a, a, a slander, like it was a, a bit of a payout initially. But as, as the Christians initially, from what I've read just briefly from some of the historical stuff, they didn't necessarily want to adopt that word. But it got to a point, particularly as they're being martyred, they're saying, are you a Christian? To say no, because they go, well, I, I don't want to say I'm a Christian, would be to deny what is being accused to. So they ended up saying, yes, I'm a Christian. And then that became accepted as a name, which now we know worldwide is what we identify ourselves as. Now, while I am still going to tick Christian on my census documents and, and things like that, and if someone asks I'm a Christian, I will say yes, I am. I do, however, coming back to my original question beginning, I go, Christian's not really something that I can claim. Christian is something what other people can speak of me. Am I imitating Christ so much that people see Christ in me? Yeah. Do people see me as a Christian? Mm. Not that I've kicked the box to say I'm Christian. Mm. Do people see Christ in me? Yeah. You know, to imitate Christ is, is to become a... just to follow what he does. I mean, discipleship, this discipleship relationship, imitation, is to become like a, a shadow We've all got shadows. I've got four shadows. Well, it actually, it depends on the light, but physically, I've got four shadows. Several years ago, I was uh, building a shed in our backyard. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I can use hammers and drills, uh, but it's not my trade. Um, so, yeah, like, see, I can use them. I can use a paintbrush and all that, but it's not, it's not my trade. So I was putting up this shed. I had the instructions there, and following the instructions, I can follow instructions. And we're going doing stuff. And uh, I got to the point where I had to put the, the walls up, and um, so I got the, the self drilling drill bits and got the drill and everything, the ladder. So I climbed the ladder, get the drill and, and get the drill going and start the drill in and it's starting you know, to go on. And then uh, the drill uh, screw thing, yeah, what's it called? Yeah, those things, screw things, bolts, whatever. Yeah, those things, it'd it, it fall off. Going, oh, okay, so I pull another one, go again, go to get it in and start the drill, and it'd fall down to the ground. And going, oh. you have to get another one, go again, drill, fall to the ground. Oh. And I just would express a little bit of a frustration. Now, I'd begin to wonder, going, these must be faulty. Too many of them were falling out. <laughs> um, and so I just kept on going, you know, go to drill in, and, and then I'd get one, oh, good, so I'd move along, and get the next one, then it'd fall to the ground, and going, oh, and then go again, and oh. And I'm moving along and this, ugh, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. And that seemed to be a common routine and it, it must have been pretty common. And I think you've asked my wife, it still happens when I do things. But anyway, the next day, I had a young son and uh, we were getting ready to help with the shed, to continue building with the shed. And so my young son wanted to help because that's what he saw daddy do. This daddy's building a shed. He wanted to help. So he walks down, grabs the hammer, goes up to the shed, and you can hear this tap, tap, tap. Uh. (laughs) Tap, tap, tap. Uh. Tap, tap, tap. Uh. Tap, tap, tap. Uh. (laughs) He learned how to build a shed with a few extra noises. It was that day I was thankful that I don't use offensive language. All right, on that, I just heard a recent story up, up north. Um, I was talking to a pastor. He works in a community with people who need lots of love. And um, a kid came up and expressed a few sentences with some colourful language. And um, the parent came up to tell the child off. And the, the parent's talking to, to the, the pastor going, oh, sorry, pastor, about his beeping language. I don't know where he beeping and learnt that language, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) It's a life of imitation. In fact, that's what discipleship was about. The disciples were inducted into a new way of life. The disciple did not simply learn things. They were converted into a new way of living. In this ancient model of instruction, the disciple would learn a new way of life. His rabbi's way of life. By accompanying his rabbi on his journeys and learning through observation, participation in life of his rabbi, the disciples not only watched their rabbi in action, they also sat at their feet, memorized his teachings, and diligently observed everything he imparted. Early disciples were so much like Christ, they got labeled as Christians. They went everywhere he went. They taught as he taught, went and proclaimed the message. They healed like he healed. They cast out demons like he cast out demons. I mean, Peter, Peter was so committed to this cause that when Jesus was walking on water, he's going, Jesus is my rabbi. I'm his disciple. I want to do what my rabbi's doing. So Peter got out and walked on water. Yeah, okay, he sank, but he still walked on water. And that's what motivated Peter. And He's going, if my rabbi's doing it, I want to do it. I want to be like my rabbi. So if that's what Christian discipleship is all about, well, well how do we literally do that today? Yeah, it's fine for the disciples. Jesus was there with them. Paul gives us some clues into this. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Philippians 3.17, Join together in following my example. And again in Thessalonians, it says a similar thing. Paul was telling the other believers, Follow my example as I follow Christ. So how do we do this today? Well, We follow the example of the godly men and women in our lives today. Pastor Gary and Jane, other great men and women here in this church, in fact, each other. I do look out and watch people in our church. And as I look, I go, wow, they're doing some stuff that looks like Christ. I'd like to try and bring that into my life whether that's an attitude of worship as we sing songs or what gets done out in the community, I'm looking at us as to how I can follow Christ better for those who follow Christ as well. Who are you following? Who are you following? Are you following some godly men and women to be like Christ as they follow Christ? Christ. But also, are you living in such a way that as others follow your example, they will become like Christ? A life of discipleship includes the good times, but it also includes the not-so-good times. You know, as a parent, my kids see me at my best, But they also see me at my worst. And uh, and I hope there's more best than worst. But they, they see it all. And that's part of a discipleship journey. Discipleship is not a program, it's not a class, it's not a service, it's a relationship. Working together, doing things together. It occurs in everyday life, just like a family. Discipleship teaches that when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, teach these things to your children. It happens in all that we do. Jesus said, come, follow me. He believes in you. He believes you can be his disciple. He invites you into a life of imitation. Imitating him through the power of the Spirit, I should add, is an essential part of that. And lastly, bringing back now to John chapter 21, we read about Peter. Peter, who got called by Jesus. Jesus said, come follow him. Peter, who for three years imitated Christ. Gave everything to this man, this rabbi, who he was becoming like. He proclaimed the message as as Jesus sent out his disciples. He was there with the miracles. He even walked on water. Then at the moment when Jesus is talking about the fact that Jesus will lay down his life, Peter's going, no way, I'm going to be there. I will go all the way, Christ. Christ. Because I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I'm here. That's me. But Jesus even knew right then, he told Peter, which was about to happen. He goes, you say that, Peter, but tonight you're going to deny me three times. You can't follow me just now. Read that in John chapter 13. You can't follow me. Just now. Jesus gets arrested. His rabbi gets arrested. And when you think, I mean, we, we, know, we know who Jesus is and the whole purpose of it. We think, this is the time a rabbi would need his followers the most. Yeah, yeah, Peter lashed out with a sword, but here he is. He's getting beaten. He's getting whipped. He's getting abused. And Peter's standing in the crowd and I think one of them initially. It was a little girl. Yeah, there's other people around there, but oh, aren't you one of his disciples? No, not me. Second time. weren't you with Jesus? No, nah. no, nah, not me. I'll die with you, Jesus. No, nah, not me. Hey, third time. You were you were with Jesus? No, nah. got the wrong guy. <laughs> Oh, roosters. Oh, we've got two roosters. I thought roosters only crowed in the morning. They crow all the time. So I don't know whether it's morning or night because we've got roosters that crow all the time. But the rooster crows. And Peter realizes what Jesus said. I believe Peter realized in himself, this is not what Jesus thought. Peter goes, I've failed. I've failed. I cannot be like... Jesus. I cannot be like my rabbi. He runs away. And then we come to chapter 21. What are you doing, Peter? I'm going fishing. Going back to my family business. Going back to what I know what to do. I'm not good enough to be a disciple. Jesus knows all this, He knew it beforehand. He said, you'll deny me three times. And yet, even though Jesus knew all this, here is Peter out in the boat, back his family business, Jesus comes on the beach. And he calls Peter again. Ask Peter three times, do you love me? I won't, I won't get into that except perhaps we can see the connection between the denial three times. But at the end of his discussion with Peter, after knowing everything that Peter has done and gone through, he says to Peter, even though you did all this, Peter, follow me. Jesus still believes in Peter. Yeah, Luke, do you want to come on up things? God is the God of the second chance the third, the fourth, the seventy-seven chance. I don't know where you're at this morning, whether it's your first time you've heard a call or whether it's your 77th time you've heard a call. I want to tell you this morning, it's not too late. And you may go, listen, I'm sitting here as a follower of Christ, but perhaps you've got doubt in yourself, thinking, I don't have what it takes. My, my, my past has... has set up certain things that means I can't do this in Christ all those barriers are gone he destroys those barriers he breaks those chains and he looks at you and says you can be my disciple Jesus said come follow me That's what Christian discipleship is all about. Jesus said, come follow me. It's a life of imitating Jesus, looking to Jesus, following Jesus. And even as we do that journey, in the midst of all that, as we stumble and fall, Jesus still says, follow me. Would you close your eyes? This morning, if uh, you don't know Jesus or you haven't responded to a, a call to say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Is anyone here who would like to do that, have, has not done that? Or perhaps you did that years ago and, and, and you've actually walked away and you know you need to make another public declaration. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed... If that's you, I just love you. Just put your hand up so I can see you and we can pray with you. Is anyone here this morning? I'd just like to say, I want to this morning say, I want to follow Jesus. Is anyone here this morning? Just as we close this morning. I want to challenge the rest of us. You've been called. You're living a life of imitating Jesus. I want to challenge you. Are you living a life that someone else can follow that points them to Jesus? Father, I thank you for each person here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you empower us to be a disciple of Jesus. And I pray that you would just uh, come afresh in each and every one of us this morning, that you would uh, put something within us, empower us afresh to go out and be your disciples. Help us to imitate Christ in our everyday Bring glory to you in all that we do. Point others to you. Lord, I do pray for those who may think they are not worthy. Lord, I I pray that by your spirit that you would just speak to them right now, that they would know that they are worthy. That Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Yeah, just as uh, we sing this last song, if, if you feel you do need a uh, prayer, you'd like someone to pray with you, why don't you just come and stand on the altar as a sign of recommitting this time to Jesus and allow others to stand with you to know that, yeah, you know what? You are called. You are a disciple. You are becoming Christ-like each and every day through the power of the Spirit. I mean